What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally, and uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You could use our code ADVICES for some additional savings. Um, everything they have is third-party tested, high-quality supplements. If you're watching this on YouTube, then do us a favor. Hit the like button, and if you haven't subscribed yet, we have several podcasts that come out each week, including this one with uh, the great Scott Stevenson. Well, Ding the bell, too, right? That's the other thing. The bell will give you no... The bell, yes. Yeah, I, I watch enough podcasts. I see. Don't only click and subs- like and subscribe, but ding the bell because that, that's what gets you notifications when you go live on YouTube as well, right? Yes, yes. So that's going to be. Will, will we start doing that as well? Do you think? I, I'd be I'm happy down for to. That. I'd be happy yeah. to. I, yeah. So we'll yeah. figure it out as we do this first episode, first live episode of uh, uh, it's just bodybuilding with Ron and Dusty. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to go there to do it live. There's a couple little things to it that might it might be I'll, we could talk about it later because there's some pros and cons. But uh, yeah. I'm all for it, man. And we probably get, you know, questions from a, a variety of new people, too. You know, that'd be uh, that'd be something else. I'll see if when I, I can also perhaps use my phone and go to Instagram live at the same time. So we can oh, I mean, yeah. it just makes sense. Eventually, I mean, we're going to five years from now, we'll look back and like, why wouldn't you be, you know, streaming live on Instagram, Facebook? Yeah. You know, YouTube and whatever else exists at that point in time. Yeah. All but what we do, YouTube, we can also do Facebook, too. So okay. like, that's we can what do I'm it. Saying. We can. Yeah, we can go to all. We can even go to like other sites like Twitch, but we don't really do Twitch. So I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's for gaming. A lot of gamers uh, post oh. there. You know, they do yeah. like live streams there. Um, I think I have a question for you. It's something oh. I wanted to kind of discuss. I'll hold off on it, though. It has to do with progressive overload. Um, but I know you put out a thread on uh, Instagram yesterday and you gathered some stuff up. I believe I may have, I shared that. So I think I might've got a question or two, uh, but where do you want to start here? I've got a, I got some good ones. So like some of these, you know, what's I really like about these questions is they're solid questions that maybe I've talked about before, but they give me some insight as to where people kind of are with, with what can be very confusing, I don't blame them. Like with as much stuff as I see just coming across all the various different opinions and perspectives and sort of confusing information, I don't blame people whatsoever for asking these questions. Yeah. There's, and, they're, and, they're not, and they're not silly questions at all. So the first one is the highest level of body fat percentage you'd allow a client to get in, get to in the off season typically. So there's multiple pieces to that. One, body fat percentage. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Right? It's an estimation dependent upon the method that you use that's going to vary in its level of true accuracy in a way that you'll never know because if I wanted to tell what your real body fat percentage is, I'd have to kill you. Yeah. Because you'd have to, like, to get a, a, a true direct measurement, you're going to have to, you know, grind the person up in a giant meat grinder and do a you know, chemically uh, break them down into fat and everything else, and then, <laughs> then you can tell. You know, their remaining relatives. Well, they were really lean, and that's but that's, that's <laughs> he was shredded. But it was, they were shredded, so now we know. But so it doesn't. It doesn't really matter so much. So some two people can be can look like oh man, like in a t shirt, even like you know, it's kind of skimpy gym wear because of vascularity or something like or lack thereof. Yeah. It looks like they're maybe the same percent body fat. One person has more internal um, fat around the, the viscera, visceral fat, organs. One person just has more vascularity. 
Yeah. So at a given level of body fat subcutaneously, they look leaner. Some people get like there are some guys you probably don't like that that they're always lean in their up their arms are always vascular. It doesn't matter. They could be, you know, fifteen percent. Yep. And they have arms, you know, because they got a lot of muscularity that makes them look really lean. So that number itself is <clears throat> it's an estimate. And so and I've we've gone through that I think on the podcast and I've talked about it many times. So it's what that doesn't matter, but you have to keep that in mind. So what what you can do with those numbers, those estimates, is use those as a guide in off seasons and pre contests to know what for instance skin folds mean in terms of how long you're gonna need to get ready. Hmm. So the thing that I talk about in my book, I've mentioned before, is if you go into a DEXA, which is gonna give you probably the best measurement you can get that's readily available for most people. But it's kind of expensive. Hundred bucks maybe, depending okay. on where you live, your access. Um, you know, some some places are like they bought like DEXA machines, which are pretty pricey just for body comp for for competitors and fitness related people. Um, and they're charging out the yin yang, but they give you all the bells and whistles and stuff. Okay. But you can get one of those done and and presume that's a real number. Like just assume that that's validated and that's pretty close to what your actual body fat percentage is. And then get skin folds for places where you hold body fat. So for guys, it'd be super iliac, pec, maybe, maybe your low back. So you can get a, a friend, a girlfriend, someone to do that. You can make measurements repeatedly and then plot some of those measurements that are where you hold fat, mm-hmm. especially the stuff you can't get rid of when you get literally lean, mm-hmm. that last fat to go. And for a woman, it can be on the glutes if you can get a good skin fold there. Um, and the thighs, of course, for women. So lower body, mainly for women, upper body for guys. And then you can sort of plot that as a, um, a function of your actual body fat as it's been estimated by DEXA. Yeah. So, so you produce just basically, assume it's probably, it's not, probably not linear, but you can produce a line of best fit that way. Just real rough one, like put it in a, just draw it on a piece of paper if you want to, or put an Excel spreadsheet. I've got an example in my book. And that way, like if you get like, you know, two weeks after a show and you, you know, you, you stayed on point and you've got a total of like 11 millimeters because mm-hmm. everything's really, you know, very, very thin, like the back of your hand. <clears throat> and then you got your peak off season where you're as fluffy as you possibly can, are willing to let yourself get and you're 40. Yeah. You have the full range and then you get various numbers in between. You can kind of plot those. And then you can sort of figure out, you know what? Okay, I'm down to like 21. I've never like actually had a DEXA when I was at 21 millimeters with those three measurements, which I'm good at. I can repeat. But I, I got numbers like 28. I got numbers at like 16. So I can kind of say, oh, this is this puts me at just about the nine-week out mark for me. Mm, yeah. Because I know like, you know, in order, in order to get from 16 down to – 10, which is where I need to be when I'm going to be on stage, mm-hmm. you know, it took me about eight weeks to get there and it didn't change in those last two weeks before the show. The last time I dieted and then the year before that and the year before that. And as you start to do this, you can, you can just develop your own sort of like literally quantitative way of estimating your body fat. Absolutely. Which that, so that would be like, that, that would be, I've done that with pictures and, and I've yeah. known of a very well-known coach that uses pictures and he said he had this woman who was like he said this was like a perfect prep and he's compared other pictures against her so this is what this woman looked like at eight weeks out how's this client compared to that kind of using that as like his benchmark of this is what eight weeks out looks like but this is numbers 
this would be easier to like it, it's there's no interpretation you're just reading a number it would be easier to yes it's objective yes which is nice because yes. your brain's not so and the thing too like comparing that perfect prep woman to some other woman like i i, I was supposed to mention to someone i can't remember who it was but I remember there was a woman that used to – I saw at least two or three shows back in Arizona. I did a lot of shows when I was there. Every year that I competed, I'd usually do one or two shows. <clears throat> and her upper body would just get diced, mm. just like gnarly lean. And then she would have, quote, unquote, cellulite on her lower body. Yeah. And loose skin. It's like – and like and Lily, but there was actually fat there, I think. Yeah. It was so odd. So that's an extreme case of someone who has a you know a trouble area like yeah. her entire lower body. So that person may want to make a to- measure the total as well as okay. So what's happening with this trouble spot? Pay extra attention to that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you know plot that individually to some degree. So so what that means then, just thinking of the body fat percentage mm-hmm. and to answer this question. Highest level of body fat percentage you'd allow a client to get to in an off season typically is when's the show and what do those skin folds mean in terms of how many weeks out you are. So if let's say your your plot of DEXA tells you that um, in order to be like four percent, in order to get your skin folds down to where they need to be, dieting with a, a with a decent diet like a prep that's relatively easy it's not like a crash prep doesn't you know take you 50 weeks to do or something like that although a lot of natty guys will will go very very slowly and that's totally viable too some people would prefer that Mm -hmm. for faster whatever the prep strategy and duration is that matches the person you don't end up thinking oh shit well i'm gonna just keep on bulking until i get to like 50 millimeters on my skin folds Mm -hmm. and think i can diet down in 10 weeks yeah because it takes me 10 weeks to get from 30 down to skin folds that are stage ready skin folds. And I'm if I go to 50 and think I can I think I can diet down at that point for a show that's 10 weeks later, then I'm 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 you know I'm, I'm fooling myself. Yeah. So the percentage is a function of when the next show is in part in that scenario. Yeah. Now the other scenario is off-season goals. The other main piece is off-season goals. So <clears throat> if someone that DEX also gives you a fat-free mass estimate or lean body mass estimate, which we're going to associate with skeletal muscle. So if someone wants to go, let's say from a, a guy wants the bodybuilder wants to go from the light heavies to the heavies, and that means that they have at 4% roughly like 190 pounds of fat-free mass hmm. at the light as a light heavy 4% body fat and they want if they if their goal let's say which is make it easy they want to go to like 224 they want to be the top of the heavies basically they want to get about 20 more pounds of muscle mass fat-free mass in the dexa and they're going to you might you're going to lose some when you diet down you can actually look at previous preps to see that if you have that dex information it's like yeah. the way that and that can vary tremendously some people like if they're if they're if they're supplemented, super supplemented, maybe they come they just like a TRT in the off season. They actually gain or keep muscle mass really really well as they diet down. So loss of muscle mass isn't a big deal. So they may know that is the case. They can plan on that. The more muscle mass you have, and the more recently you've gained it, the more likely you are to lose it yeah. for many people. So 
that's the thing. Like, you guys, like, get to a new level of muscle mass that I like to try to hold it for a while, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which makes sense. The muscle memory mechanisms of satellite cells, incorporating nuclei, epigenetic things, just being able to get used to training with those heavier loads or in a way that got that muscle for you. All those things should need to be in place for a little while if you expect to keep that muscle very long. Well, if you, if you were to throw a number out, how long would you say is a good amount of time to hold on to new muscle before you were to diet, just based off uh, your experience? At least, I mean, the longer the better, really. Um, like if someone gets up to like new, new amounts, of, let's say they take a year to get there and they hold it for a year, Yeah, that's, that's going to stay. Okay. So that gives you two years. But if you want to put it on and then hold it for the next show, you're going to need at least two months, I would say. Okay. Okay. It depends on the person, you know. Sure. And, and also, some of it depends on how they got that muscle. Yeah. So, so, and that's what I mean by the off-season. If, if their off-season is very mild on the super supplementation, and then they do like taking more of an old-school approach where um, then they start to diet down and they up the gear okay. and the things that would, would allow them to crew muscle, at least hold on to it better, then they could maybe gain that muscle with a very, uh, very low-dose protocol and keep it as the doses go up during the course of the, the pre-contest period. Okay. Yeah, I just figured so, I'd ask, though, just yeah, as a kind no, of an aside. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, a couple of months for, is, a, is an ideal place. So, so back to the other side of this coin about how high your body fat percentage would be. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least this, the second big consideration is, at least in my mind, is now if, you're gonna, if you have a goal weight on stage or moving up a weight class, now you need to go from 190 pounds of fat-free mass to, let's say, 218 pounds or 215 pounds of fat-free mass okay. to be 4% at, at the top of the heavies. So your DEX is going to give you the, an evaluation of how to what extent that's happening. So if you go through your off-season and you, know, you gain, let's say, the peak of your previous off-season was 220 and you die down and you're uh, a light heavy. And this time you get to 250 and you're like, ah, oh, surely I'm going to be a heavy now. Mm-hmm. I put on 30 pounds more. But you look at your DEXA and all you got was body fat. Mm-hmm. Your fat-free mass went from you know 190 to 205. And you're not expecting to recomp during your, your, your prep. Then you're not going to end up like magically gaining 10 pounds of fat of muscle mass during your prep. Mm-hmm. Unless you're someone who, like, you know, was using nothing and then they add in gear. And even then, that would be tremendous because that's a pretty advanced bodybuilder. Yeah. So the body fat percentage is going gonna, is gonna to be the um, thing that may have to creep up in order to get the fat free mass that you want. So if someone's willing, if, if it's like, you know, I want, to, I want that fucking muscle mass from hell or high water. Mm-hmm. And I'd prefer to be 12% when I get and get it that way. But. If I have to get to fifteen percent, or I have to get to twenty percent, mm-hmm. I have to go full blown powerlifter style. And I'm see as I'm doing that, I am actually still getting fat free mass. So like mm-hmm. every three months, I go in. It's like, okay, I gained eight pounds this past three months, and I gained it was four and four. That's okay. I got four pounds of fat, four pounds of fat free mass. Yeah. I go three more months. I got four and four again. I got four. so I'm getting a fifty fifty ratio. So that that means your your fifty fifty ratio fifty percent is higher than whatever your body fat percentage is. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully your body fat overall is greater than fifty. So you're getting fatter, relatively speaking, but you're gaining the fat free mass that you need in order to reach your goal of being a bigger bodybuilder on stage when you diet down. Gotcha. Right. 
So that's the thing. You use the decks that attract the fat-free mass to get the muscle mass you want to be the lean bodybuilder at the higher body weight on stage. Right on. That percentage would be a function of how that's tracking as you go through your off-season. Ideally, it's lower. Now, the other thing is what holds most people back is they just don't want to be fat. No one wants no one wants to be fat, right? So it may be that you know the per, per, percent body fat is such that, like, okay, now I got to buy new clothes, and I can't fucking tie my shoes, and my body fat percentage, I, I can't train as hard. Like Jordan talks about this, he's a great example. Like, you know, he get as as he's gotten heavier, and when you start retaining more water, and all those things that come with the greater body fat, none of those things are necessarily fun. Mm-hmm. And they may actually be limiting and actually getting more body fat. Mm, yeah. So it may be that, you know, just physiologically, like just getting so fat means you can't train in the way you need to in order to, order to create the stimulus for more muscle growth. And, and this is the thing that I think that I, I mentioned, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say this before, but I think it's fucking huge to be honest, is that there's, there's an intrinsic governor, like a, you know, a subconscious governor that will hold you back. Yeah, yeah. That will keep you like you made me think just, about this. Just, yeah, I, I know I've mentioned it many, many times. Just imagine like you're imagine you're just like imagine you're shredded. Mm-hmm. You're not all that hungry for whatever, it is, but but you know I got to eat to gain. And you know every time you eat, like you fill up and you get vascular as shit, and like you may your belly may be big because you're bloated from the food, mm-hmm. but you look you look ridiculous otherwise, and that goes down the next morning. And you keep on doing it, and you just stay lean. The more you eat, the bigger you get, and you just stay lean as shit. Yeah. It'd be great, right? It'd be fucking amazing. And now imagine, okay, every time I eat like that, I know I need to eat that way to keep gaining. And I feel just as bad, bloated, et cetera. But when I look at myself, I look even worse mm. in my mind. Yeah. I look like a big bloated bag of bag of poop then that person is going to be like, why am I doing this? Like, I, I am a bodybuilder. I want to look like a bodybuilder. I don't feel like a body, even though most people think, oh, you're huge. Mm-hmm. If you're not someone who um, relishes sort of the, the big perma-bulking, you know, I'm the biggest dude in the gym mm-hmm. type of feeling, and the strength that comes with that, as long as it's good strength, then that, the person's just not going to want to do it. Yeah. So th- they're going to have to diet back down again. Yeah. Because so those are the three things. You or know? you even have said like they may mentally, uh, um, they may mentally sabotage themselves. You know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that somebody may even like subconscious. Yeah, they might not just can't can't get past a certain weight because. And we, I think one of the things I've brought up before is that and it was Dave Palumbo who had talked about the like the 300 pound barrier that a lot of mm. people nobody really like until one guy broke the 300 pound mark nobody right. had. And after that, then a lot of guys started becoming 300 pounds. But the key being that you you have to be able to believe you can achieve a goal. You have to be able to feel it, believe it, see it. And if you're like, yeah, if you're on the fence, if you're not in line with it, then I could see, yeah, not achieving it. I can see it in my own yeah. in my own life too. Yeah, well, it's like the four minute. You know, Roger Bannister yeah. was the person who broke the four minute mile. Yeah, yeah. Mark, and then also never people started doing it. So there, there's a group, there's a collective consciousness. Yeah, that's involved there too about like, like getting to three hundred pounds and like seeing like, like 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 Dave was a guy who was he was lean when he was big too. <laughs> he was yeah. So he was just a total freak. But yeah, seeing guys go and travel that path, uh-huh. get really big and like 
I remember, do you remember this as on professional muscle? Kevin Jordan. Yes. When yeah. he was, when he was coming up the ranks. I remember him. Yeah. And Dante, like, this is like Dante's approach. You got to just, you have to push and push and push and eventually you'll strip the fat off, but you're going to have to like eat, turn yourself into a, a feeding machine. Yeah. And Kevin did that, you know, and people gave him shit, you know, and he wasn't intentionally trying to look like Lee Priest in some of those McDonald's, you know, sponsored off seasons. Right. But, but he got pretty big and then he, but he was making leaps and, and bounds in terms of his, what he looked like on stage. It was, it was panning out for him. Yeah. So yeah, you got to see someone do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is we don't social media. We don't see those things ah, as much. Yeah. You know, it's not. I mean, imagine, it's funny, so we talked about the microphallus being sort of like, that's an interesting thing to be, you know, like everyone, you know, women like, like them big, not small, but on imagine things were flip-flopped on social media, and it was like, everyone was just like, one of the big, like, holy shit, look what that guy did in his off-season. Yeah, yeah. He just said, fuck it, man, and got as big as humanly possible, Yeah. and he's like squatting eight plates deep, you know, and he's just like... Like a Greg Kovacs, remember mm-hmm. Greg? You know, oh, yeah. obviously that's not the path people want to follow necessarily because he may have, you know, put himself into the grave a little earlier with how he how he went after it. But you know, the, you remember like in Palumbo used to talk about the stories with Greg. You know, like his he couldn't even wipe his butt. Yeah, like his yeah. wife, you know, had to like kind of care for him because he was so large. Right, putting on his shoes, that kind of stuff. So imagine for some reason, you know, things kind of got flip flopped, and social media was instead of like. Um, it was, you know, everyone was dug that, you know, mm-hmm. being shredded and lean. Like I go on my Instagram, it just abs, the most popular fitness. It's all abs. Yeah, exactly. It's like TNA, of course. Right. And it's just because like, it just feeds you that because that works, you know, the algorithms know like guys are going to click on that shit. You right. Know? Uh, like most of the, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you get that. Like when you go to, maybe it's on the search function on Instagram and it'll pop up all these, you know, things you may like. Mm-hmm. And most of those aren't aren't really things I like, but I, I can tell they're connected to the the sort of subdomain in which my Instagram feed lives. Right, right. And it's all it's no, it's a lot of it's. There's not big, bulky, giant dudes. It's no, there's shredded not shredded guys and shredded women. Yeah, Gary Turner. Know? Yeah, I just interviewed him again. He so he pushed okay. to 310 pounds uh, ah. this past year, but now he regrets it. He worked with Dave for North Americans. He dieted ah. down. He ended up making weight at 223 and it was a waste. He said, you know, he said he may have gotten better glutes out of it. And he said, but overall he had to work so hard. Now he's not going to get beyond like 255, 260. He said, that was 90. How long did it take him to lose 90 pounds? Dude, he lost most of it in eight weeks. Well, fuck a load of water then. I'm sure. Yeah. I think he had a lot of fat too, though. Like, yeah, (laughs) he was. Dave had so him that, at like eight weeks out. I want to say he was like two seventy, and he lost like fifty pounds between eight weeks out and two weeks out. So that so that's the thing that's interesting. So so Dexa will misrepresent water. Just now in those extreme circumstances, I don't know, but yeah. Um, to, in large part, water is what you're going to find in the fat free mass, mm-hmm. and there and Dexa is a three component. Models, so it's it's bone, lean body, lean body mass, and then fat. Yeah, essentially. And so those are the three components. You can also break. There's various ways you can split the body up, like fat and fat-free mass, your body fat percent. That's two components, fat and everything else. Okay. Dexa will give you three. You can do four components. There's actually various ways you can do this. 
but with just a DEXA, it, it's it's readily available, but it won't. It'll tell you that that water is fat-free mass in right, large part right. from what I've seen in the in the studies where they've manipulated. Now I don't never seen it where they've manipulated by by function of like ten or twenty or thirty pounds, like which can happen with a big two hundred eighty plus pound bodybuilder who right. can you know have a cheat day and end up like eighteen pounds heavier the next day, yeah, like with insulin and yeah, know, yeah. whatever else. So that that um, caveat in mind. When you're using DEXA, it will tell you those things that we were talking about. So if he had been you know, using DEXA and following along his fat-free mass, um, what he probably would have wanted to do is standardize his diet for a few days to drop water a little bit before mm-hmm. getting those DEXAs done. So you know, he probably would, so someone like that who knows they're gaining water, they're getting a little bit of the cankles going on, mm-hmm. the low back pumps, they're using maybe aromatizing stuff. You know, they've they know there's some water retention. They've got moon face. Mm-hmm. They would want to probably in order to get a better evaluation of how much fat free mass or much muscle mass is coming along for the ride using DEXA. They'd want to probably like after like when they do a deload or maybe a, like a tidy up, clean up diet. Yeah, mini cut type of thing, where the water drops off, and then get the dexa done. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because so, it, but having done that, because mm-hmm. I'm sure, like when he started his diet, he probably lost like you know 15 or 20 pounds in the first week. Right, and then and then the sequence that you had said, you know, with the 50 pounds in those Ooh. eight weeks or whatever it was, brutal. Yeah, but. He could have, if he had cleaned up and like done a, um, been meticulous with doing the Dexa, he probably would have been able to see in large part that what he was gaining was not what he wanted. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Or vice versa, he could have seen that what he was losing was not what he wanted to be losing too. Mm. That's the other side of the coin. I don't think I mentioned oh, is that yeah. it's like okay, I'm dieting down, and it's like I'm losing with this approach that I'm taking. I'm losing muscle mass so rapidly. I'm going to end up like way over dieted if I, if I stay in this trajectory in order to make this show. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I shouldn't do this show. Like I didn't give myself enough time to diet. Uh huh. So that's where if, had he taken, this is actually, I'm so glad you brought this up. Had he taken that approach that I was talking about and, and done decks like every, just even every four weeks, mm-hmm. maybe three weeks during that prep, something like that. He could have seen, it's like, okay, when I take a, a dive bomb kamikaze, you know, drop from 310 to 223 in mm-hmm. X number of weeks, I'm going to lose a fuckload of, at least with the approach that they took. Dave might have took it. He might have gone from 2,000 grams of carbs, 1,500 grams of carbs a day to keto. Yeah, he went to a hard cycle where there were days yeah. of high carbs, no fats, or higher carbs and no fats, and then, uh-huh. you know, fats. I, I think he eventually did get to protein and veg only. So, I'm yeah, sure. you're right, man. I bet he did, you know, potentially lose. Maybe had that been a, a 12-week blast of, you know, instead of that little six-week window, if that was 12 weeks, maybe he right. could have been 10 pounds heavier. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but whatever well, the case, the, he's not going to push it that far next right. time. He said. But it's it's so it's so fascinating because it may have been that he didn't. There's there's various scenarios combinations. It may have been they didn't get the muscle mass he was thinking. Right. Because there's so much water. It may have been that he lost a lot of muscle mass because he dieted so hard so fast. Yeah. And it may have been a combination thereof. Mm. Maybe he did get more muscle than maybe he thought he did given how 
shrunken down he was on stage, mm-hmm. but he lost it all during the diet. Or maybe he held on to what he had during the diet and he just over overestimated how much he gained or yeah. some combination. Right. So maybe he lost it. Maybe he gained it really rapidly. And maybe he lost it just as fast because he didn't hold it. Yeah. Yeah. So if he had a year, let's say he went to 310. This is the thing. And this is why a year would be even better. This is see, this, this is why it's such a good question because there's so many different aspects to it. So let, let's say he'd gone to 310. Mm-hmm. And then he just like tried to stay there. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, then he dropped the water off and he was like 290, 295 and he just stayed there and like it crept up, you know, he's doing, you know, he's deadlifting 585 for sets of six. And then over the course of the year, he gets to where he's doing 12s yeah. with that, you know, and all of his loads, his, his performance in the gym goes up. He starts to lean out just a little bit. He holds that. He comes on and off. He cycles. And then at the end of that year, he's still, you know, above 290. Which is way above where he did. Where, where was his previous peak? I'm not sure, honestly. Okay. Yeah. But it sounds like I know he got really big once before, but so he held that weight pretty long. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you look at the gym performance, if that's telling you something about muscle, which I think it is, mm-hmm. over the course of that year, he would have progressed a little bit. So let's say he went from 310 down to 290 over the course of a year, but his gym performance crept up. Mm. From, you know, six reps to 12 reps with the same weight. Mm-hmm. So even just those 20 pounds, if we just, if that just means uh, lost 20 pounds from 310 to 290 and he gained 10 because he had his food so fucking high to keep that, keep that weight. Mm-hmm. And he dropped 10 pounds of water and he dropped 10 pounds of fat and maybe gained 10 pounds of muscle mass, let's say, because he's training so hard and micromanaging everything. I mean, I'm just... This is only a small percentage of his actual weight. We're talking 10 pounds either direction, but that's not only a pound of muscle a, a month, yeah. a quarter less than a quarter of a pound a week. That's, you know, a quarter pound of muscle is, you know, like 100 grams okay. of muscle, something like that, which is the equivalent of about 25 grams of protein. Mm. So it's a positive protein balance of... You know, not very much every day, just barely keeping things in the right direction. Hmm. And so his gym, he got bigger and stronger and he lost 20 pounds over the course of of that year after hitting that 310 peak. And then he dieted down. Yeah. And he'd been holding that muscle for so long. And let's say he took those, whatever he's getting the sets of 12 with now, and he kept it at six. Mm -hmm. So he lost even like a good amount of strength. I still think he'd have a lot more muscle than, than he would have given what actually happened. He held it for a year. Yeah, I could see that. So that like, so there's another answer to that question is if you have a two year plan, Mm. let your like, and your plan is like just to get as big as like literally get as big as you possibly can Mm -hmm. come hell or high water and then hold that weight within reason for a year. Yeah. And let yourself sort of recomp a little bit. So from 310 to 290. He'll look a lot better. Yeah. So imagine Lily. So in that case, if he went, if he just went from three ten his body weight to two ninety body weight, but he actually gained ten pounds of muscle, then he then he then he lost thirty pounds of water and fat. Mm-hmm. Just subcutane like water. That's a fuck. That's huge. That'd that's be a tre- that's a tremendous recomposition. Yeah, it would be. The the scale wouldn't mean you would know shit from the scale. 
from that. But the DEXA would tell you what's really going on yeah. as long as you're dropping that water before you get those DEXA measurements done. Yeah. I'm kind of considering. I'm, yeah. I'm considering competing next year, but I wanted to. But uh-huh. before I decided to do that, I wanted to be able to make sure I could make real changes in my physique. So right. I feel like I really want to see 240 on the scale, and so mm-hmm. I'm thinking if I do, it'll probably be at the end of next season because I'm feeling like right. I could probably reach my goals here within the next couple months. But if I were to just hit 240, let's say by January. And you know, by the end of January, and then immediately start cutting for a spring show. I can't imagine I'd hold that compared to giving it giving it more time. What's your highest best stage weight in condition, in shape? This last time I competed, I was like one ninety three at my leanest ever, and 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 you want to be at the like the top of the light heavies are you going to are you worried about yeah. weight classes at all I, I i think i could still manage light heavy cuz that was 2017 i'd say i'm better now than i was then okay um so so this is so let's do this you want to like you know work this through mathematically with the with the decks and stuff the way I, sure it will take a few minutes sure so 193 mm-hmm. at 4% okay is, True, like at a yeah, depth of that yeah, shredded. It, it was probably around there. There, yeah, I was pretty lean. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Is that the picture you always post next to to Ken? Where you're, you're yeah, like yeah, 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 that was from that. You're, show. you're fucking yeah. diced. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah, you're you're lean as shit. So figure out what that means. Let's say it's 185. I don't know the number. Yeah, 185 fat free mass. So you're wanting to be 198 in the same condition. Yeah. So that's about another um, seven pounds of fat free mass. Probably. So you want to be about, and, and then add a few because you might lose some during your prep. Yeah. So you want to be, you want to have a hundred and 195 to 200 pounds of fat free mass. Okay. Assuming you'll lose a little bit. Right. So that would, that would let you get up at 240 to about 20% body fat. Okay. Yeah. And you can figure out the numbers to some degree. But what you can do with the DEXA, if you decide to do that and use the skin folds just so you can have a kind of keep, but keep track of it as you go along between the, the DEXA measurements because they're not free. Um, it's not like the limited five-cent DEXA scan, you know, on, yeah, on yeah. the corner, street corner. Um, is you want to get yourself, let's just say it's 200. You want to have 200 pounds of fat-free mass or lean body mass on the DEXA. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's where you'll need to be. So you, you t- use the DEXA and use that as your guide for what you're – how how heavy you're going to get on the scale and it may be 240 is plenty you may end up at 205 fat free mass or lean body mass yeah um you may end up you know only 197 you have to see you know yeah so that's how the dexa would would, would inform you about that okay 240 yeah. sounds like i mean 240 if 240 at um 10 body fat is 216 pounds of fat-free mass. Okay. I never get, I mean, I'm fatter now than I was when I started that prep. But when I started that prep, I was only 206. And I dieted down to 193, like peeled. So as you can imagine, I was pretty lean, you know, to start that. Right. And I think that I did, because I, you know, I spent a couple years of not 
focusing on nutrition as much. You know, and here's the other thought. I'm not I'm not married to being like heavy because I'm masters now. Yeah. So I could do right. heavyweight and it doesn't matter in a in a state level show really. Everybody it's just all masters together. So two oh five would you know would Don't be you want to win the heavies though and get win the you know Mr. Michigan? Oh yeah, if I could, man, that'd be that'd be yeah. sweet. But Mr. Michigan would be that's that's in the middle of the summer. That I'd have to start getting oh. ready for that in another month or two. So gotta get your state show, dude. That that's just like the yeah. I don't know. I, I still think like I still am or maybe I'm a little bit of a bodybuilding romantic, but winning the state show was used to be a big fucking deal. I mean, it, now, is here. it was here too, man. I know, but now how many guys are there? Like now you go to the Mr. Michigan, there's probably like two heavies and like six light heavies and everyone else is classic right yeah there's a lot of classic this last year although we did have some some good guys this this past year at the michigan it was solid okay but yeah man that was a big thing you know winning the state show i'd i'd love to do that but i i don't think i could be my best this year because like i said i'd have to start dieting and and right now i'm having a a love affair with the weight you know and getting bigger Mm -hmm. so i'd much rather i that to me that's the thing like i would compete if i can reach these goals. These goals are more important to me, you know, right. like the mass is more important to me, the size. Right. I want to fit into a three X. So, so if you get to two forty, you know, and get your DEXA done, it'll give you an idea. Imagine you probably lose five pounds of those, of that lean body mass when you diet down, let's say, you yes. know, or, or, or let, drop the water Yeah. and then get the DEXA. So you don't have that kind of a scurrying things. That water won't be there. Obviously, you know when you get shredded like that, like you don't hold water no matter what. Right, right. You know, <laughs> like you drink it and like literally, it's like you're like you're got a hole in your body. Like it just goes in and out. Ten like minutes you're, later, like you're constantly peeing. Right, yeah? yeah, yeah. So you won't hold it. So that'll help you equalize that. But then it'll give you an idea. Like when you hit two forty, you can do it. Right. What do you weigh right now? Uh, two twenty two ish, two twenty three. Okay. Yeah, you can get a Dexa. That would be the time to do it. You know, see. Yeah. If you're, if you're, are you ten percent? Would you guess? I'm probably heavier. I'd say I'm twelve, thirteen. I'd guess. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Dexa is unforgiving. Yeah. As far as <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, that's why I would like to say ten, twelve, ten, eleven, but I'm probably more like thirteen, fourteen. If you put me on Dexa. Yeah. So, so, so there's so that's actually interesting too. You, I mean, I'm don't want to make the weight on us doing the math, but if you're truly thirteen. At that body weight, you can put what your fat-free mass is. Mm, yeah, you know, and then, you know, what are you going to get to? Let's say, you, let's say it's one to one, fat to fat, fat to muscle mass to get from two twenty-three to two forty. Mm-hmm. So you can get, you know, another, I don't know, eight or nine, maybe eight pounds of fat-free mass. Yeah, from where you currently are. So see what that would put you at. That would be solid, man. I'd take that. Down. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a fuckload bigger than 193. Yeah. 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 I'd you would it. be. Yeah. You'd be. You'd be in that iffy zone where you're like, oh, man, I, I, I could almost make the light heavies, you know? If yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's tough, it though, matter. when you have to weigh in the night before and, you know. Mm. Yeah. Or the morning yeah. of type thing. There's not much you can. Yeah. It's, it, it, that's a recipe for disaster for lots of people because they're like, oh. Because yeah. you know how much better you can look when you when you filled up. So you try to get there in twelve hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like trying to drive from you know uh, New York to Los Angeles in a, in a day. It's like you just can't do it. <laughs> it's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know you can make the drive, but you can't do it twelve hours. You need you know you need a few days. Yeah, yeah. So now that we're forty minutes into the show and we answered yeah. one question, what else do you, what else do you got for us, Scott? Oh, I got a bunch bunch more. Let's see. Um, that's a great question, though. Do you want to ask yours? We'll, we'll trade. Sure. I've got one from uh, Peppy1983 here for you. 
because I shared oh, your uh, your story. He said, what is Scott's uh, general approach slash opinion on carb cycling for leaning down and also his opinion on utilizing it for mass building phases to mitigate excessive fat gain? So this is actually, actually I'd use a nutrient timing approach. It's funny he hasn't, I guess he, Pappy has not picked up my book because I've got literally in the Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach book, I've, I've got like an example like kind of typical standard diet yeah keep talking i'll be back in just a second here okay all right i'll keep rolling keep rambling so there you go i just felt like i wanted to have the book close to me while we while Ah, we talked screaming so um where the carbohydrates will come in will depend on where the person is in the course of sort of the annual cycle but um the nutrient timing approach in, in terms of like just after we go from post contest where someone might have been very, very low in carbs. Um, and at that point in time, you'd have carbs peri workout into the post workout meals. Yeah. And then build upon that with minimal carbs, but plenty of protein, plenty of fats, plenty of vegetables and fruit, too. No big deal. Most people aren't going to overeat fruit. Mm. Every once in a while, someone might, but it's kind of hard to overeat fruit, you know, unless yeah. it's like dried fruit or something like that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so then you can like or, or like dates like you know you could buckle like, down with a big there's like 30 grams of sugar in one date pure dextrose oh, I, dates are really good for carving up for lots of people too. we talked about that and it was uh i was using fruit we talked about fruit a few years this is like earlier in in knowing you and you mm. had suggested you're like well if you're going to use fruit post-workout dates would be a good option and i switched to Maybe that and like so good dude like two dates you're getting 50 grams of carbs dextrose yeah. too yeah, yeah, dates are delicious, man. A, a funny story, like years ago, I I played with all sorts of stuff, but this is on there. This is like it's another romantic story. So I was I did a week long fast. Okay, actually, it was a nine day fast. No food. Was, no food during this fast. I or? had like a, my friend Gina was helping me guide. We had I think I had like two salads. Okay, like we started on like a whatever a Saturday, and I think I so you should have a just to keep your get like just keep things moving. Yeah, you know, for some fiber. So it was like some lettuce and I don't know what some beets or something like that. Not very much like two or 300 calories. Okay. Like it was just like a dry salad just to get some fiber to keep the constipation at bay. So like there's like two of those. So it was probably definitely less than a thousand calories over the course of the entire time. Yeah. And on the second weekend of the, um, of this week long fast, which I trained during actually for what it was worth. Oh my God. Did you know, you know, there's a case study of a guy who ate nothing, but he just had water and, and vitamin mineral supplements for like over a year and he lost hundreds of pounds. You're kidding me. No, it's been, it's been documented. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's fucking awesome. No um, food. Yeah, the guy, the guy was like 500 pounds something like that. And he lost, you know, went down to like in the one nineties, I think. Wow. And he didn't eat for like, 300 almost 400 days it was like over a year holy i've never heard of that but it goes to show too i hear people like i hear people that sometimes and it is heavy people that are saying like well you got to have at least this minimum amount of food when you're dieting you you have to have you know whatever it is 2,000 calories Mm. you know something kind of um interesting happens when people start when they truly fast is you get used to eating nothing Okay. You literally, I mean, it's almost having some food and maybe it's related to ghrelin stimulating your appetite. And it would make sense from, a, you know, my armchair evolutionary biolog- biologist perspective to say 
you know, if there's some food around, then your your body and your mind would say, go get it. Right. But if not, just, you know, deal with the starvation. This guy just didn't eat anything. He had plenty of calories. You know, they're staying at 3,500 um, calories per pound of body fat. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he had hundreds of pounds of fat. He was he was morbidly obese. But he just, you know, he had to have fluids and electrolytes and vitamins and minerals to stay off. So they just supplemented him with that. He lost. The thing is he had no loose skin. When it was when it's said and done, and I think the I think that the cool thing about that was that he was probably catabolizing. Certainly, was catabolizing the protein in his skin. Huh. So, so wow. if you take someone and you feed them lots of protein, which is good for maintaining muscle mass, yeah. Um, then you know that that protein isn't going to be is from the skin, which is now shrinking down as the or, or isn't shrinking necessarily when the body fat shrinking, the subcutaneous underneath it. It's gonna. You're maintaining the the protein synthesis in the skeletal muscle as well as in the skin. Huh. But he, this body was just like scavenging for everything it possibly could. And big, the more body fat someone has, the bigger someone is, the less muscle they'll lose as they diet down. Yeah. Of course, the leaner you get, bodybuilders know this. The leaner you get, more likely you are to lose muscle mass. So this guy, I mean, I don't know how much muscle mass he lost. He lost probably a considerable amount, but he had so much body fat. So he had sort of a surplus just from having to be carrying around 500 pounds. Yeah. You know, you, you just, especially in your lower body, you've got a massive amount of muscle mass to, in order to support that, that body weight. So, but his, but his, he didn't have any loose skin. I think, I don't know how old he it wasn't like he was 70 and he'd been like this for, you know, for decades, but he was, I think a middle-aged guy, maybe a little bit younger than that hmm. and no loose skin. So, I'll be damned. Yeah. Kind of cool, huh? Yeah. You couldn't even, couldn't even tell. Yeah. So it took him, but nothing anyway. So I had fasted for like, uh, we were at a, like a conference for the second weekend of this thing. And we, it was lunchtime and we were going to have lunch cause we were fasting. So we went outside and it was Arizona up in the Phoenix area and we laid down and it was just a beautiful day. It was nice and cool. Maybe this time of the year it's like, oh, this is wonderful. We laid there and all of a sudden it's like, what was that? Just lying on the grass. Like what the hell? It was like someone throwing and then another thing fell. Another thing fell. And I'm like, looked up. I'm like, holy shit, we're under a date tree. Huh. And like, and like the divine, the universe <laughs> is saying, here, Eat a have date. some dates. Yeah. And I looked around and there was, there were dates, like fresh dates. Literally, they were almost falling into our mouth. <laughs> so it's like, okay, like this is a sign, you know, I was actually at a, a, a workshop for, um, uh, a shamanistic workshop yeah. for the uh, shamanic foundation. I can't remember the name of it. But we were like learning how to be shamans, you know, yeah. energy medicine type of stuff. So yeah. it was like, oh, this is some fucking divine energy. So I had I've some had dates. That, I've had that happen too, except for it was a McDonald's drive through Yes. I just happened to be, you know, right You were there. dying down and like, well, you can smell every fucking, all the shit they're piping out of all the fast yeah. foods. Like, okay. Well, just, God, McDonald's is just, it's right there. I'm in the drive through already me. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald McDonald's just laughing his ass at you like. <laughs> do you remember? Um, oh God, I keep on going on tangents. You remember? Um, Super Size Me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's the guy's? I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but he's Morton Morgan he, Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. Morgan. So he's talking about like he's when he's starting to find out how bad all all this is. You know, through the course of the documentary, he's like, he's like, you know, what I'm going to do next time? I'm going to I'm going to undo all this conditioning that they've been doing with all you know, like with the playground and all that stuff at McDonald's because it makes it makes McDonald's into like comfort food for kids because they yeah. can go and play. It's like it's like vacation time. Sure. You know. 
So he's like, I want to undo that. Every time I drive on McDonald's with my kid in the car, I'm going to punch him in the mouth. <laughs> he didn't mean it. Seriously. Right, right. It's like, it's like it's so fucking funny. It's like, yeah, right. You might. It's probably better for him than having <laughs> to eat McDonald's. So anyway, the, the, the carbohydrates would be the way I typically do it is to keep it around the, the, um, the workouts. Use intra-workout nutrition. That's when your body's most receptive to storing that those carbohydrates as glycogen to replenish the glycogen used during your training. So you keep training hard. Yeah. Your insulin sensitivity is the highest. Um, literally, you know, for various for those reasons, um, especially if you keep the the fat low, you're gonna and the novo lipogenesis is sort of an immaterial thing, especially when you haven't been eating many carbs up until that time. That's the perfect time to take those in. You just want to watch out for sort of giving yourself a reward. You know, yeah. if I train, I get to eat carbs. Mm. And people go and they'll train too much just because they want to they want to feed themselves carbs. Like, I got to work out so I can eat carbs. That would happen, you know, very, very unusually. So what I do then in order over the course of a post-contest and an off-season with people that works really, really well is, is continue with that nutrient timing approach and building upon the carbohydrate and the food peri and post-workout during those – that meal or two thereafter. So yeah, yeah. on training days, which would be like four times a week for fortitude training or whatever training system works for the person. It's not, not, um, not that important. Whatever works, what works. That's the most important thing. The carbs would be increased on those training days and, and be minimal on non-training days, mm-hmm. but plenty of calories, you know, you don't want to like starve, but I like to have people hungry. Yeah. When they go into their um, their training sessions, just a little bit like ready to eat, and it seems to set people up. I mean, I've had guys that take in, you know, and the, they work out at maybe four or something like that after work, and they put in a couple of meals thereafter. Twelve hundred, fifteen hundred grams of carbohydrate with fifty to one hundred grams of protein per meal, easy, no problem. The, the, much more than they're used to, mm-hmm. and and then they can, but then they drop it back the next day. Mm. And get plenty of plenty of you know um, animal protein based protein sources, essential fats, good healthy fruit and, and fruit vegetables, meats, that sort of thing. And then build upon that until basically on those training days. And and it, if someone has like a back and leg day versus an arm and calves day, those bigger days would have higher carbs on those days. Okay, so you're going to match. And if you're building up work, you know, there's also we'll leave that to be. There's possibility of trying to focus your training and your nutrition to support bringing up weak muscle groups too so Mm -hmm. you might have more like you may have more on a day that you have trained calves because your calves are weak you want to make sure they're fully supported with the nutrients post-workout especially or or even pre so you can train hard so once you fill up those post-workout carbohydrate days to and eventually that can take like months like it's in the off season um you would then start adding to the non-training days. Okay. But for many people, you can like literally build up the calories because you can only grow it so fast. Yeah. So let's say you go, let's say you put on, make it easy, 20 pounds from your post-contest period, you know, where you've, your water weight, everything's kind of settled to the peak of your off-season in six months. Mm-hmm. You can get most of that increase in weight just by adding to those post-workout periods hmm. in those eight or ten meals maybe over the course of the week, plus hmm. an intra-workout. So add if you have an intra-workout, call that a meal, two post-workout meals on those days, just a generic example. Yeah. 
you might have you'd have 15 meals that you'd add to over the course of a week and if you add you know 100 calories 500 calories each of those meals you can increase your caloric intake plenty over the course of a week to produce size and weight gains over the next six or eight months of an off season yeah it could be a ton yeah yeah i mean so it's but you're but you but you also have better energy most of the time when you're not eating not force feeding all the time so that's that's one person someone else might be might need to be taking in five or six thousand calories so like when i've done that in my you know periods when I've been as big as I've ever been where I was doing 6,000 calories a day, there was, there was no fucking nutrient timing involved. I started that way, yeah. but eventually I filled up those post-workout meals and then had to start adding to the non-training days with more food and eventually like you can only, only take in so much fat yeah. and it just like, you, you can end up, you know, having malabsorption if you try to take in too many grams of fat. So you're going to have to start adding carbs on those days. So if you're a big dude who's going to have to take in five or 6,000 calories, eventually, you know, it's going to be a wash. You're going to be, you're going to add calories in that way, but in order to get more weight gains and more muscle gain, you're going to have to have added the calories. Mm-hmm. But then when you reverse things down, this is the second part of that question, I think, you would pull carbs from the non-training day. Hmm. Yeah. And then, and then eventually basically just reverse the reverse the whole process. So ideally when you get down to where you're pre-contest a month out or so, you're at least keeping in that the intra-workout, peri-workout recovery supplementation. So you've got carbs there yeah. at least. So to refuel the replenish the glycogen. And they become and, more important as you have less food, you know, the the, the carbs yeah. around your training. It might not be as valuable when you have like so many carbs throughout the day, but yeah. yeah having that stuff yeah. still around training. I, it does make a difference. I, I, yeah. I mean, the main way people, I mean, the, the research is, you know, people will debate it. Um, there's the studies are all, if you look across the studies, there are different populations or different scenarios or different training regimes. Like it's hard to compare one versus the other, but there's some good ones, um, that have been done. Crib and Hayes is a great study where they're where they compared carbs and amino, essential amino acids and, each of those alone and in combination. Hmm. Um, anyway, I've gone over that. I've got, well, that's in the book. I'm trying to think if I, I had a talk, I think I may have taken it. I can't remember if it's on YouTube or not, but, but the thing that people will notice sort of in the trenches is if they're using intra workout and mm-hmm. they adapt to that and they, a lot of people feel less muscle soreness. They feel, they just simply feel more recovered. Yeah. I've noticed that for sure. You can just tell the difference. And then if they're going along and like, like they travel or they just for some reason like, ah, fuck, I left my shake on the kitchen counter. Yeah. And they go and they train anyway or they don't grab something at the gym. They're like, I'm knackered. Like that was like that was a mistake. You yeah. know, I should have I should have done something, at least gotten some some generic thing out of the fridge at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. So you notice it when it's gone. So when you do sort of an elimination approach, you you sense that what you what you didn't think maybe was that important is was more important than what you thought. Yeah. I don't use as many carbs intra as I used to, but I found even like 25 grams and I'll use uh, our sponsor true nutrition's uh, the uh, Perry MD, the mountain dog uh, mix. Uh, And I just use one scoop, 25 grams of carbs plus some EAA in there. And now I use my, um, uh, my hydrolyzed beef collagen with that as well. 
Ooh. And uh, so that, you know. It, it, it makes okay? Yeah, it's, it makes it completely uh, clear. It's, it's hydrolyzed. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much like it's flavorless. It's It doesn't have like much texture to it. So it's. Uh, Does it taste like a steak floating in water? Unfortunately, no, no. Oh. You can mix it in coffee even. Like you can't taste it. It's. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, pretty interesting. Cool. I didn't know this either, but um, so when I was talking to Chris Duffin, we were talking about at one point about intra-workout nutrition, and he said the best time to uptake collagen is post-workout. That's the mm-hmm. your body will absorb it best then, but to drink it pre-workout so that it's there and available by the time that you're done training. Right, and that's I me. Mean, you you get all fancy and like. Because there's some gastric delay and like put it at the end of your – like if you're training for two hours, yeah, you probably would end up oxidizing it because some of that's oh, going to yeah. get in your system during – but yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. And you turn on protein synthesis. What I've been doing too is I usually drink my intro my intro workout in the first 15 minutes nowadays. That's just what I've been doing. It's yeah. just getting it, and I, my workouts are shorter now too, so it probably yeah. is all right. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media, and thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. We're running out of time here, Scott. We have one okay. that... Uh, we got a quick that, one? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a quick one, but we did have one in the live feed, so I figured... There's no we, such thing with me, right? <laughs> no. So well, this will be in the next 45 minutes. Let's see here. <laughs> we don't have time for that, I don't think. You got your next podcast. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'll blow this one up a little bit so I can see it. Oops, and then I made it small again. Bear with me, guys, here. I need to, I, I can't see my screens too far away. All right, there we go. So this is from Joshua. He says, a oh, question yeah. for Dr. Scott Stevenson or anyone that has fixed this. In April, I started hunkering down and eating clean and strict. Diet was on point for the first time in a year. Problem is, every time my nose starts running, Huh? If I'm not paying attention, it drips and creeps down to my upper lip. All five of my meals, this occurs. What could this be from? It can't be an allergy. Uh, wait, uh, it can't be an allergy to all proteins. My diet consists of five meals: one whole eggs, two protein shakes, three egg whites, four chicken, and five lean ground beef plus a fat and a carb portion on top of the protein. Bulking right now, macros are uh, 260, 610, 85. Uh, Test is at 600, Primo 600, two to four units of HGH. Novolin at uh, 25 units. Novolin N, I don't know what an N is, at 25 units. Uh, Thanks, everyone. So what... He's not he probably isn't expecting this, but um, it's not hot sauce. Uh, well, he, he, my my thought is, I'm trying, what are the what are the calories? Are that's two sixty protein, mm-hmm. six ten. So eight hundred. Let's do the. Is that a lot of calories? Here, let's figure out the math here. Eight hundred and seventy. I'll get the fats. I don't know how much you weighs. 
Yeah. It's hard to know how much how much that is relative because I don't know how much Joshua weighs, but it's 765 so, calories from fats. Yeah. I mean, I, I did the, 2, the, the math. Like it, it, it's a, it's a hearty number of calories, but yeah. it, if he's, you know, 250 pounds versus 160 pounds, yeah. you know, it's like 3,500 gear. Um, so in, I, it, I would try some digestive enzymes. And the reason I'm saying that. Is I'm th- this immediately made me think of Chinese medicine, and I'm not going to go like this would be a, lo- a long, dis- long dis- uh, description in order to make it make sense. But in Chinese medicine, the organ of digestion is the spleen. I know it doesn't really do that in in Western medicine, but it's this concept concept of the spleen, which is involved with transforming and transporting food nutrients. So this is all this is all boo boo Chinese medicine stuff. But this is me sort of thinking through an acupuncturist perspective and lens right now. So um, that involves like literally taking in the fluids and the nutrients from the food that you take in and and disseminating that into the body, transforming and transporting it around. Okay. And if if your body can't isn't doing a very good job with that, you have like spillover. It's kind of like a um, uh, uh, the piping, the plumbing in your house that has you know some leaks in it somewhere so you get water like going all over the place yeah in this case the water's coming out of his nose he's got and he's so he's got snot he's got literally um a body fluid that's coming out this is all chinese medicine shit okay i've just seen this before you know this is this is a very common thing i've seen it in myself when i was in when i was in acupuncture school i was i competed that's when I was actually, I was at one point, one of the years, I was 260 when I was putting down 6,000 calories a day. Yeah. And I'll, here's, here's another story. So I was doing six 1,000 calories a meal that time. There was no nutrient timing. I'd get up in the morning and I was eating it like, um, I think I'd have, we'd, we'd train in the morning. It was, well, I was training with Dave Henry during that time. So we'd train, at 6 o'clock I'd have a meal, 10 o'clock I'd have a meal, 1 o'clock I'd have a meal, 5 o'clock a meal, I'd have 8 o'clock I'd have a meal. I'd have my six. 1,000 calorie meals a day, basically spread over the days. And and some of those days, there was like, I was in clinic doing body work on people in the afternoon. And there was like no time for a meal. So I'd have, I'd have a, a, a basically a shake that was just the powder and the carbohydrate in it with ice that I packed in the morning in my cooler. And then I'd add water to it. And between, I think I had four body work treatments. And my meal was between the two of them. And I would just reach down to the cooler, get myself pumped up, and go, here we go, motherfucker, time to do it. And I'd slam a 1,000-calorie shake. Wow, that's a lot of that's, shakes. That's what I had to do. Like, there's the only way to get that meal in. So I, I eat. I have my lunch, then I have a 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and then I, at 2.55, I'd say, thank you very much. And I'd reach down, I'd slam my shake. And then my nose would, would start to want to run. <laughs> and I'd have to be careful, because otherwise I'd have snot come out my nose onto a client, which I obviously isn't isn't going to work yeah same thing as him like he's putting in all this food yeah and i started using um guapitong it's a um a spleen tonic okay and it and it fixed it for me no kidding wow yeah so he he could look to look into chinese medicine he could go find an acupuncturist who's an herbalist someone who's board certified yeah the um uh this either through the state or through the national organization and um, and someone who can prescribe him some herbs, and chances are, because all that food he's eating, yeah. And also, like another thing, the spleen does in Chinese medicine was 
is it it's with and this is why mine was stressed when I was in Chinese medicine school and acupuncture school is it's involved with thinking and perseverating and and concentrating. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that he asked this asked this question and he was very it was very well. I mean, he put in lots of good detail, much more than we typically would see. Actually, yeah, this is like three times oh. longer than most of our, most of our questions are like. You know, like he watches the show best, or he listens to the show. He knows. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, you know, but he did a nice job. So he is a thinker. Yeah. I'm just getting this. I just gleaned this from the way he asked the question, um, knowing nothing more about him. So his spleen is probably taxed from thinking about these things as well. Yeah. So the food and the thinking, just like me putting in 6,000 calories a day while I'm in Chinese medicine school, trying to memorize hundreds of acupuncture points and hundreds of herbs and formulas and all this other stuff. Mm. My spleen got taxed. So. Um, what he could do just as a starting point would, would be to change the foods because mm-hmm. he was worried about allergy or, or intelligence. He's eating the same thing and that could help with this issue because it's right after he eats. So we can sort of couch this towards a Western thing. It's probably not an allergy. There may not be some any immunoglobulins that, you know, that are, you know, or antigens that he can he could find at least easily. Maybe he could go get an allergy test on something like that. But yeah. Um, but change up the foods, um, change the combinations of foods, and see if there's something that his system is more tolerant of. Or, or even, or another way to go, because it's not like this is something that's you know life threatening. I don't think it's not like all of a sudden he's going to die from dehydration from the snot rolling onto his upper lip. Right. It's figure out what makes it worse. Hmm. So if he has some meals that make like, let's see, what was what was protein meals? So, like maybe the protein shakes. Maybe yeah. he's eating this, been eating the, drinking the same whey protein. If he goes with your nutrition, you know, switch, switch to a, a beef protein or yeah, switch to different. steam skip or something. Yeah. Yeah. A different combination. And then see if that makes that meal better or worse. Yeah. Or is there, is there a common thread you're not seeing? Is there something, do you use the same cooking spray for everything? Is there, is there a, you know, a seasoning that you put on every single meal? Is there... Is there something that's a common thread that we're not seeing here? Which I'm guessing that's probably not the case. He probably already thought about that, but I can't not say that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing is I, I looked, it's such a common, it's like, I would never doubt someone who says, you know what? I've been eating chicken breasts, you know, five meals a day for the last 15 years. And now I don't, I, I feel shitty when I have to eat chicken breast. I think yeah. I've got a chicken breast intolerance. It's like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it right? happens. It happens. But I couldn't find any scientific literature to support that idea. Really? I just, yeah. When I, I dug in, I, maybe there's something out there now, but when I looked before, I couldn't find anything. But so what you're saying makes perfect sense. Like, if he's got something that he's continually exposing his body to, um, that can, that seems like that just empirically can produce sort of intolerance of some sort. So that's kind of what I was getting at is figure out like he's got these like literally one, two, three, four, five. Like these are his protein sources in this order. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is, you know, it's uh, this is a very ordered way of eating. It's it, it, that you kind of have to do because you're trying to like, you know, hack the system and the force of doing something. It's not, it's not like he's following his appetite. And it's just eating what he wants to. Right. This is how he's got to eat to get where he wants to go. Yeah. As a bodybuilder. So you're right. Look for the look for some commonality that's been consistent that's creating issues, and with, as far as the spleen goes, or digestion goes, or the immune system goes, is that you're constantly beating it up with the same thing, which could be is probably an excess. Yeah. So see, changing something out, 
uh, other ways of elimination. Take out the protein shake and you know put in, you know, one of those other protein sources. Yeah. Do that for a week. See what happens. But it sounds like it's every meal. Yeah, no matter what. So it could be the fat or the carb source. Hmm. You know, whatever yeah. those are. You know, fat or carb portion. I like some of these places now. Like they know how people eat. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't eat out enough to know. But there's there are restaurants now. Like that, you know, they say like they organize the menus by like proteins, yes. fats, and carbs. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, and what protein did you want with that? You know, I've right. heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I don't know tofu. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's my best guess is try to meet – if you want to go all out, go see an acupuncturist. Tell them that you think it might – someone said it might be your spleen. They'll be like, whoa, what do you know about acupuncture? Try, an, uh, try a digestive enzyme. That would – a digestive enzyme could help him break down because not all amino acids uh, – protein comes in as amino acids. You get peptides that come in. Mm. So sometimes, you know, who knows? There may be for whatever reason – Something about his particular DNA, which in which the pancreatic proteolytic enzymes that he has lend themselves towards producing certain combinations of dye and tripeptides. Mm-hmm. They just don't break down certain bonds, so he ends up with you know a little bit more, regardless of the protein source of you know an arginine lysine combination or, or whatever it is, and yeah. that is one that has particular. Um, immune sensitive sensitizing effects for him yeah you know there's it's kind of cool like there's you know some milk proteins have vasoactive peptides dying tripeptides um that uh that that literally interact with um blood pressure and can help alleviate hypertension hmm. no kidding so yeah yeah it's very cool so he, he may have something that about him that a digestive enzyme could fix. If a digestive enzyme then fills in the gap where he it fails to break down proteins in that way mm-hmm. and, you know, reduces the amounts of those particular diatribe peptides that are problematic for him. You know what? I do and, think, I wonder too. So just, just to throw it out there, it's not as if he wasn't eating before. You know, it's not like he just, but it, it just started, you know, when he started pushing the food. That's, so yeah. what? Why is it different now? What was it about the increase? You know, threshold effect. Yeah, yeah. it could be. You know, like now he's he's gone from, you know, um, or 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 the continuous. So when you eat, just make to make the concept simpler. If you're eating fifteen hundred calories a day, yeah, the food goes in and out. You know, and your 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 GI is not as not as full continuously versus three times that 4,500, which is close to where he is, I think calorie wise. Yeah. So he's got a constant influx, a constant hyper amino acidemia and a constant hyper dye and tie peptidemia. Yeah. With those, with those potential, I mean, I'm just totally wild ass guess speculating here, but right. He's continually exposing his system to food in a way with higher calories that he wasn't with lower calories. So whatever it is in the food, be it those peptides like I was guessing at, or maybe something in the proteins or fats, or the cooking oil, or whatever it is, yeah, it's it's not it's going in and being slowly uh, uh, released into his bloodstream, more so in and continuously with higher calories that than makes otherwise. Sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's like a study that I, I cited in I think both of my books where they have people eat like a, it's like a protein meal. It's like seven or nine hundred calories. Mm-hmm. And they're still they're they're still not post absorptive like eight or ten hours afterwards. Oh yeah. So that, that means that means they're still absorbing the food. Yeah. That's why they say twelve hours fasting before you get your blood work done because people are like, Oh my god, I'm gonna die tomorrow if I don't have breakfast before I go in. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like, you know, fuck, I'm having like a quart of ice cream and, you know, bring out the Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. And it'll take a while. Like you put in a 1500 calorie meal right before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. It can easily take 10 or 12 hours before you're post-absorptive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I've seen blood glucose levels fasted in the morning after a cheat meal the night before be altered oh. from, you know, what oh, they normally yeah. would be. Yeah. You wake up in the morning like you've had like a big like whatever meal and you like you burp. Yeah, like, this shit's still in my stomach, and I ate that was twelve hours later. Like I could taste the food, like yeah, tasted good. But <laughs> hopefully, yeah. yeah, that's how. Like when I was eating the six thousand calories, I was there was never a time when the break was to not eat a meal. Yeah, that yeah. was like I didn't want a cheat meal. I wanted to like cheat on the diet and not eat a meal. Right, right. you know, because it's constantly full. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that helps because. Um, yeah, and it, and take extra Kleenexes with you, I guess, Joshua. I guess, you know? man. I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up uh, for another episode here at Muscle Minds. Check out Scott's uh, book, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach, BYOBBcoach.com. Uh, we also have a link to the Amazon. We'll have all that in the show notes. And, of course, shop with our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com. Use our code ADVICES. Scott, thank you as always, my friend. Welcome, my friend. Yep. Appreciate it. See you guys.